0: الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وسندنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فروي عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال من يأخذ عني هؤلاء الكلمات فيعمل بهن أو يعلم من يعمل بهن فقال أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه أنا يا رسول الله قال فأخذ بيدي وعد خمسا فقال اتقي المحارم تكن أعبد الناس وارض وارض بما قسم الله لك تكن أغنى الناس وأحسن إلى جارك تكن مؤمنا wa uhib li nafsi kama tuhib li wa uhib lin nas ma tuhib li takum muslima wa la tukthiri adh-dhahk fa inna kathrata adh to tumit al-qalb aw kama qala alayhi as-salatu was-salam honorable elders and respected brothers assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh in today's short discourse. I'd like to share a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A very unique hadith which succinctly gives us recipes of success in this world and the hereafter. The way in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam conveyed this message is also very unique and peculiar and the message is also very important and significant and Rasulullah sallallahu in fact explicitly mentions in this hadith that he wants us to take these advices seriously. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam once addressing a gathering of Sahaba Ikram radiyallahu anhum ajma'een asks that I'm about to impart some advices so I would like to know who would take these advices most seriously and take them to heart. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam explains what he means by taking these advices seriously. And he says, implementing these advices into your life is taking it seriously. And going further, Rasulullah ﷺ says that do not just suffice on implementing it into your own lives, but impart it to others. And when imparting it, Imparted to those who will appreciate the value of these advices. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, Imparted to those who would take it seriously, who would appreciate it, and how would they appreciate it? By implementing it in their lives. So Hazrat Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala and who was part of that gathering, he takes this responsibility and it was not obviously thus that the Sahaba Ikram who were in that gathering other than Abu Huraira anh, wouldn't have taken it seriously. Obviously, Hazrat Abu Huraira was representing the other Sahaba Ikram. But this is to tell the Ummah of Rasulullah wasallam, tell us that these advices are extremely precious, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself wants us to take these advices. This is a message to me and you that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself wants us as the ummah to take these advices very, very seriously. So Hazrat Abu Hurairah an, presents himself and says, Oh Rasulullah, I would comply. I would take these advices very seriously and imparted to those who would take them very seriously by implementing them in their lives. So Rasulullah sallallahu takes Hazrat Abu Huraira an by the hand. Again, reiterating the importance and the value of these advices. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa then counts five sentences and they are not just sentences, they are oceans of meaning. If we just take them to heart and implement them in our lives, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me and all of us the tawfiq of implementing these advices into our lives. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam first mentions, Ittaqil maharim ta kun a'badan nas. Oh Abu Huraira! Stay away from that which Allah has prohibited. And you would be regarded as a'budun nas. The person whose ibadah is most appreciated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, before we understand and appreciate this advice, we need to take one step back. And contextualize this advice we all know that we haven't come into this earth in vain we all appreciate that fact we all also appreciate the fact that we haven't come into this earth and we haven't been given this existence on our own will and accord it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who chose us to send us to this earth and obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us for a mission to accomplish. He didn't send us on this earth for no reason. Well billah. As Muslims we all appreciate that. And what is the purpose of our existence? We don't have to, alhamdulillah, dabble like how the non-Muslims have to dabble with this question. And sometimes the answer is that no, it is to accumulate wealth. Sometimes the answer is that no, wealth is also a materialistic type of objective of existence. So it is to gain happiness in this earth. And sometimes it is no, not just happiness, we need to impact the lives of others. And there are various research organizations that take this topic and delve into it deeply. But none of their research is conclusive and none of it is satisfactory the creator of our lives, the being that gave us existence and chose us to be existent on this planet, he himself spells out the purpose of our existence on this planet in very unambiguous terms and says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ wal وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ The purpose of our existence is ibadah. Now, ibadah sometimes is loosely translated as worship. And it is uh, fair enough, it is one aspect of ibadah, is worship, our salah, zakah, hajj, fasting. That are, Those are all aspects and elements, and very important elements of ibadah. But ibadah is a much more deep and wide term in the Arabic language. It basically refers to living your life in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether we are in the masjid, we have to be engaged in in the ibadah, that that occasion demands. And that is showing your submission via salah and the other acts of the masjid. If we are in our business places, then we engage in ibadah that is demanded by that occasion. In other words, engaging in transactions which are ethical and which are not in contradiction with the sharia. When we are with our family, then the ibadah of that occasion is to show your submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by interacting with your family like how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam interacted with his family. Being jovial, being such that the person who is with you feels at ease and at comfort. That is a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam. So basically, ibadah means living your life in a way that is in accordance with the sharia and in accordance with what the occasion demands. That is ibadah. Right? If a, the occasion demands that there is somebody who is ill and there is nobody else to take care of that person at home and there is and apprehension, if a person would attend the jama'ah salah in the masjid, that person's health might deteriorate. So, there at that occasion, the ibadah is to leave the Jama'at of the masjid. So, each and every occasion has a certain dictate of the sharia. And the reason for our existence in this planet is to fulfill that dictate of the sharia to the best of our ability, and employ all our capabilities to try and find the best way and the most efficient and effective way of showing our submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that occasion. That is the only purpose of our existence on this planet. And if we fulfill this purpose, then we have fulfilled our mission on this planet and inshallah we are successful for eternity, for the akhirah which is eternal. So now once we have this in perspective, that this is our sole purpose of existence on this planet, now we can appreciate this hadith better. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tells Hazrat Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu, اتق المحارم تكون nas Stay away from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited, and you would be أعبد الناس, the person who is fulfilling this objective of existence on this planet to the highest degree. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an kareem that our purpose of existence is showing our submission in every occasion of life to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Wasallam is explaining it and breaking it down even further and making it much more easier for us. And saying, if you want to engage in the most effective and efficient and the best form of ibadah, what do you do? And fulfill your purpose and mission on this earth in the most appreciated form, which would be appreciated the most by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what do you do? ittaqil maharim. Just stay away from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. So, it is not a prerequisite to be regarded as a wali of Allah and أعبد الناس, the, the the best of those who engage in ibadah, it is not a prerequisite to engage in too much of excessive nafil salah. Although if a person has the tawfiq, then it's a great ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's not the criteria. It is not a prerequisite to engage in a lot of nafil fasts or in any you know, nafil sadaqah. It is a great ni'mah. If a person has the tawfiq, then he must engage in those ibadah with the shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that tawfiq. But it is not a prerequisite. What Allah wants to see from us is how much of inconvenience we tolerate for Allah's sake. And how do we tolerate that inconvenience? When there is a desire to go against the command of Allah. When there is an inconvenience that needs to be tolerated in order to suppress our desires that are not in accordance with the Sharia, then we tolerate that inconvenience and we show our submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by tolerating that inconvenience. Even in our normal interactions with people, normally we want, when we want to gauge how loyal a friend is or how loyal another person is to you who claims to be your friend, you, you wait for an occasion, whether you did consciously or unconsciously, but this is human nature. You wait for an occasion in which to test that person, that person has to tolerate some inconvenience for you to come out of a problem, for example. right? If that person is sincere in his friendship, he will tolerate that inconvenience for your sake. And then you would appreciate his friendship, and then you would realize that, no, this person is sincere. Similar, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah wants to see how loyal we are. Allah knows, obviously, but this is his system. How loyal we are by... Seeing how much we are prepared to tolerate inconvenience and difficulty for His sake, and that is when we stay away from sins, when we stay away from that which is haram, even though our desires want otherwise. So Allah, again in the Quran al-Karim, (laughs) says, "Allah defines who are His friends in this ayah. He doesn't say that those who read a lot of." Nafil Salah, who engage in a lot of Nafil fasting, although those are great ibadat and they are in their place, and a person who is able to, he must engage in them, and this is Tawfiq of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But the criterion is what those Alladina amanu wa kanu those who have believed in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Obviously, belief is the utmost and the foremost requirement. But wa kanu those who adopt taqwa, those who adopt Allah consciousness. And what is Allah consciousness? To be conscious of what displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a certain situation and occasion, and to stay away from that. So that is the highest form of ibadah, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gives us the certificate that if a person stays away from haram, then in the eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the person who has fulfilled his objective of existence on this earth to the highest degree. al-nas. The second advice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself wants us to take very seriously and to implement in our lives. He says, وَرْضَ اللَّهُ بِمَا قَسَمَ لَكَ تَكُنْ أَغْنَا النَّاسِ وَرْضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَكَ تَكُنْ النَّاسِ Be pleased and happy and content and satisfied at heart. With what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has allocated for you, the word he used here is bima qasam The word Allah has allocated to you in the takdir, you would be the most rich of people, the kun nas. Again, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is spelling out the criteria of being regarded as rich and wealthy very outwardly counterintuitive we regard a person to have to be wealthy when he has a lot of bank balance or when he has a lot of material wealth and here rasulullah sallallahu is defining the general term of being wealthy it's not just restricted to the akhirah So, Rasulullah wasallam says that it is not the person who has the biggest bank balance who is the richest person. It is not the person who has the most material wealth who is the richest person. Why? Because if a person has all material wealth or any ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that matter, because this is all risk from Allah, whether it is material wealth, whether it is whether it is Reputation, whether it is uh, mental and intellectual capabilities, whatever is the ni'mah, whether it is, you know, tangible or intangible ni'mat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is all wealth and risk in the sight of Allah. So if a person has everything outwardly, but he feels at heart that I need more. I want more. Because I'm not yet satisfied. I'm not at ease yet. He's not at a equilibrium as far as his emotions go. He is uneasy. He's restless. Can that person be regarded as a rich person? A rich person means a person who doesn't need anything more. Even from a materialistic perspective, a rich person, is he who is so satisfied and he is such, at such an equilibrium from an emotional and mental perspective that he is at ease. He is not restless. So, if that person has everything outwardly, but he is restless, can we regard him as a person who is rich and doesn't need more? Rasulullah says, No. A rich person is a person who is at ease, who is at an emotional and mental equilibrium, and he doesn't need more. He is happy at heart with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allocated for him. It's all predestined. Allah knows what's the best for each and every one of us. And what He has allocated to us is the best for us. So when we have that belief, at heart, then yes, outwardly when there is circumstances that are difficult, we will feel the difficulty. But at heart we will be at ease. Why? Because we know that our beloved creator has destined and allocated that for us. So when we are happy at heart with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his infinite wisdom has allocated for us, then that is the criterion of being a rich person. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, Al-ghina hahuna. Ghina, meaning richness, and the word ghina in the Arabic language is a very deep word. Again, it comes from the root word which means being independent. Not being in need of something more to be at satisfaction and ease. So the ghina that is actually required and that is actually recognized for all practical purposes as ghina and richness is the ghina of the heart. In other words, that feeling of emotional and mental equilibrium that we do not need more and we are much at ease and at satisfaction and we are very very pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allocated for us. And obviously this is a feeling this is a state of being which requires practice the more a person practices it the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open his heart for it just like how we need to practice anything that we want to achieve in life It is if it is a physical activity we need to practice it so too are these qualities of the heart and the spiritual being of a person they don't just come to a person they have to be practiced and when a person makes the effort Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens his heart the next nasihah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is that, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَىٰ جَارِكَ تَكُمْ مُؤْمِنَةَ. Be good to your neighbor. And you would be recognized in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a true believer. There are two explanations of this. One explanation is what I've just mentioned now, that you would be regarded as a true believer. The sign of a true believer is a person who is not selfish, but he is concerned about his neighbor. And typically the neighbor would include a person who has his residence next to your residence or close in your locality. That is a neighbor typically. But the meaning of the hadith could be extended to a neighbor in in any sort of occasion. When we sit together in a gathering, the people who are around us are our neighbors for that particular time. So we need to make sure that our demeanor is such that it doesn't cause anybody any inconvenience. And what is the certificate that we get for this? This is the certificate from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam of having true iman, true faith in Allah subhanahu wa taala. Another explanation of the sentence that the Muhammadies mentioned is that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Says in a hadith that, لا يؤمن احدكم حتى يؤمن جاره بوائقه. That a person will not acquire the true iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until his neighbor is not safe from his inconvenience, to put it in simple terms. From his, from him causing them difficulty and inconvenience. So here Rasulullah wasallam is saying that if you make sure that you don't cause any inconvenience to your neighbor and you are good in, to them in this way by not causing them inconvenience then inshallah you would be regarded as having fulfilled the requirement of that hadith that la يؤمن ahadukum حتى يأمن جاره It is a very close meaning to the first meaning. And then Rasulullah wasallam goes on to say that وَأَحِبَّ لِلنَّاسِ مَا تُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِكَ تَكُمْ And love for humankind, love for all the people, what you love for yourself. This is a sign of a true Muslim. You will get the essence and the true quality of Islam if you do this so again a very very profound statement this statement itself requires a lot of detail but just if we take that amount to heart that we be such that we love for others what we love for ourselves this whole this earth would become a jannah if everybody just interacts with other people in this manner may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq the last sentence of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is, القلب, that do not engage in excessive laughter. Now here laughter means that laughter which is void of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Void such that a person is not concerned whether he is speaking the truth or speaking other than that, and he's just engaged in making people laugh or laughing, and he's not engaged, worried at all about the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such laughter is reprehensible in the sharia, not the normal laughter. And if a person engages in excessive laughter of this nature, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, it actually causes the spiritual heart of a person to die. And that person then doesn't take any effect from the nasāḥ, from the, the guidance of the Qur'an and sunnah, this was the last uh, nasiha of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in this very profound hadith. May Allah subhanahu wa taala grant.